Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi, we are on the road. We're in St. George, Utah today. Um, we came down here to get a little bit warmer, and it's not warm. Not as warm as we'd hoped, but you know, that is a road, Ayers on the Road. It's a, it's a good road, isn't it? Yeah, I've seen, I mean, I love driving out of... Uh, the sometimes slightly murky inverted valley of Salt Lake City, and then I love going through Utah County, and it's still a little crowded and socked in. But then the whole world opens up as you get on that road and drive through those wide open spaces. We, we saw some Japanese people there just um, taking photos, and it looked like uh, we wonder where they're taking photos of. They're just taking pictures of just nothing. And so we said, what are, you, what are you taking pictures of? And they said, space, space. Look at all that Unoccupied space. Unoccupied space. We don't have that in Japan. Yeah, and we know that because two of our kids just got back from Japan. Uh, one of our sons uh, served there as a missionary 10 years ago, and he met our daughter, who's living in China for six months, and they all met in Japan for Thanksgiving. Now that's Ayers on the road, right? That's on the road, and uh, they had the most marvelous time in that amazing country. Well, you know, it, it was interesting. I think we mentioned this a couple times ago, that our Thanksgiving, when people say, well, did y'all get together for Thanksgiving? We say, yes, we did, but in five different locations. Two families here in Utah, two were in China, two were in Boston, two were in Maui and Hawaii, and two were in Orange County. So, yeah, we all got together. It just took us five locations to accomplish it, but at least nobody was by themselves. Actually, you forgot that the one in China was in Japan, too. Oh, so true. That's but funny. anyway, it really was fun because we Skyped with them. Uh, what a world we live in. What a world it's so amazing how easy it is to keep up on relationships. You're never you're never without your family, even when you want to be. Right. <laughs> <laughs> even when you don't want to know the problems, you do. Um, but it really is a good way to keep in touch with relationships, which we're talking about today. Well, yeah. In fact, um, we have a kind of an interesting announcement to make, and you, as listeners of Ayers on the Road, are the first to hear it. And that is that we have decided that, <laughs> I was almost to say, instead of writing any more books, but we are still writing. I'll be glad for that day. But, but we've decided that most busy parents, and you may just resonate with this, a busy parent doesn't really normally have time to go to the bookstore, buy a parenting book, read it, read the whole thing, 300 pages, whatever, we live in a world where what we want, for good or for bad, is a quick fix, or at least, if not a quick fix, a quick idea, Ideas, yeah. something that we can get our teeth into and try. And so we're, we're actually, uh, much to our surprise, starting a YouTube channel. And for now, at least, it's named the same thing as this radio show. It's just called YouTube forward slash hires on the road. And on this YouTube channel, we are trying to put up little, and I mean little, five-minute videos on some little aspect of parenting or some little problem we know a lot of parents have or some idea which we have found works for families in certain situations. And for want of a better word, we're going to call them recipes. 
Because when you think of recipe, Linda, what do you think of? I mean, what, what do most women use? I say to you, recipe, what do you think of? Well, you think of putting some ingredients together that are going to be hopefully delicious, and you actually put in the oven or on the stovetop, and when it's done, it's done in one day. Yeah, and when you, read, when you read a recipe that, that looks appealing to you, what do you want to do right away? Well, try it. Try it. You want to taste it. Go get the stuff that you need to make it and try it. And do it. And so we're going to call these parenting recipes, marriage recipes, life balance recipes. And the idea is if you've got five minutes, you can go on the site, the YouTube site, YouTube Hires on the Road, and you can pick out a recipe that you think you might like to try. And you can listen to it in five minutes. And then you can turn right around and try it on your little guinea pig kids or on your little guinea pig wife or your little guinea pig husband. Or your guinea pig parents, whatever. Um, <laughs> so it really is going to be fun. We actually did one today. We went on a bike ride up in Snow Canyon, which is the most incredible bike ride in the world. It has to be. Well, well it's gorgeous. It's, well, it's, it's a mini version of Zion's Park. That red rock that is just to die for. It's just so many configurations. You see something different every time you go. And it made us think of something. See, I mean, that's that's what hopefully what these will be, and that's why we're calling them Myers on the Road. We're going to do them. The great thing about little videos is you can do them from anywhere, and then you can upload them once you get to a little bit of Wi-Fi. And so, for example, today, I'm glad you brought that up, Linda, a very current example, we're riding around up there, and, and, you know, I used to think Snow Canyon was called that because it's got all this white rock. You go up there, there's this red rock, and then you come this white rock. And I thought, well, the white is why they named it Snow Canyon. I but, of course, too. we were wrong. We checked it out, and it was named, I should have thought of this, it was named after Erastus Snow. Actually, Erastus and Lorenzo Snow, two snow pioneers Pioneers named Snow who discovered that canyon and got it named after them. So anyway, we got thinking about that, and we thought, you know, that's their legacy. That's quite a legacy to have a canyon this beautiful named after you. And then Linda said, someone else is named after us or something. What you Well, say? I said, well, we have people named after us, too. I mean, you actually have people named after you. You have two Richard Ayers and our grandchildren. <laughs> uh, well, you we to remind them consistently, <laughs> Linda is not such a happy name. I mean, I'm well, no, they're sorry not for you, Linda, they're out there, but it used to be every class I went to, there were five Lindas, so I had to be Linda J for my whole life. But um, it really has kind of gone the way. But interestingly enough, just as we were talking about that, another couple came along on a bike, and her name was also Linda. So, you know. Yeah, but, she, she was old, too, like you. Yeah. Oops, watch it, watch hey, it. Hey. <laughs> Anyway, but anyway, that's a good point. Linda said, well, we don't have any canyons named after us or bridges or airports or whatever, but we do have a lot of really, really exceptionally, extraordinarily cute kids named after us. So let her ask the snow have his legacy of the canyon. Our legacy is our children. And we thought that's a good topic for a quick little little video for YouTube. And it doesn't have to be first names. Obviously, if you have children, your last name is all the same, and they are named after you, so to speak, until they get married, who are the girls, and then it becomes different names. But yeah, so anyway, the point is we made a little video, and it's a five-minute one, and we post. Well, it's actually not posted, but it will be since we get to Wi-Fi. 
and there's a lot of them that are posted on there, and we're just going to keep on doing that, and we hope that two things will attract parents, three things we hope will attract parents to YouTube Buyers on the Road. One will be their own needs, their need for some help, which we all feel as parents. Two will be that these are little and short and easy. In five minutes, you can do that while you're waiting for your appointment or whatever, waiting for your child to come out of school for the carpool or whatever. And third, we hope people will be attracted to them because they're sort of weird. I mean, they're they're done in funny places. They're, we're not going to do any of them in a living room or sitting in a, a normal place. Uh, here's another good example. We did one. The other day, while we were at the zoo with some grandkids, because it just suddenly occurred to us, I don't know, it came up in the conversation or something, that a lot of parents are really worried, and I think rightly so, Linda, the more I think about this, they're really worried about separating the myth of Santa Claus in their kid's mind from the reality of Jesus. And, and we have been asked about that a lot. People say, hey, if I, if I keep, you know, my kids keep saying to me, is Santa real? And I keep saying, well, sure he's real. Then what happens when they turn around a few years later and say, well, is Jesus real? And what if they decide that maybe they're both myths? So we got worried about that. So right there in the zoo. We interviewed our granddaughter, who is 11 years old, and she came up with the most amazing thing because... You know, Santa Claus is real, and we have a, a way to explain that, but Jesus is real in a different way. And so um, there, it really is fun. Well, she, she had no idea that we were going to ask her that question, and she just came out with the most incredible stuff. And that's what we're going to try to do on this channel. Everything's going to be spontaneous and unrehearsed. And she was awesome. She basically said, I want to ruin the video for you, but she basically said, well... You know, Santa is real in your imagination, kind of like leprechauns. <laughs> Where she got that from? And and the Easter Bunny or whatever. Oh, I don't think she said the Easter Bunny. She said leprechaun. But but then she got earnest. It was just a cute little thing she said. But Jesus is real, real, not real imaginary. Real, real. In fact, he's the most real of anything. Because he made us and so on, and she got quite wrapped up in it. And anyway, that so we put that on a on a little video, and it's on uh, YouTube. Buyers on the road, and it's labeled "Separating Santa from Jesus." And I think I think Benjamin, our wonderful producer, is going to put it right on BYU Radio. Yeah, the link yeah. BYUradio.org. If you need the link, just go there and click on it and see what she has to say. So we just got a couple more minutes before we take a little break, but you might be able to tell that we're kind of excited about this. I, I think one reason is we're in the midst of writing a book, and books are so hard to write, and you have to think so hard, and you have to do a draft and another draft in the correction. Uh, every time we get through the book, I say, let's please, let's not do this again. Every time I did a book as a young mother, I just... Please, I remember. This is my last book. It's too hard to remember. <laughs> this is too hard. But um, and every time you say this is our last book, and you can't make yourself stop. But um, it's it, it true that it's hard to write, but it's 
so easy to do these videos. So much easier to do a video. Although, I must take my hat off to Linda because she is pretty brave about it. And I'll say, hey, let's do a video. And she'll, her first thought will be, well, we're not dressed for it or... I just don't think I'm ready, but if we just do it, if it's just spontaneous, I think viewers will appreciate that. I'm the one that looks terrible. I mean, I got my hat on today. That yeah, it actually has this great hat, which we wish you could see. It will be on the video, but it says Obey on it, which I love. Linda bought me a hat that says right on the front of it, Obey. And I'm just supposed to wear it so that I'm, you know, reminded of what I'm supposed to do, one word. <laughs> exactly. And it only takes two or three times to get it in his head that he really does need to do what I ask him to do. Um, so it really is great to have that on his head all day. The problem so is that she I says something to it. me and then she comes and points at my head. <laughs> I can see it and you can't, so I have to keep reminding you what's on your head. Um, so anyway, we are excited about this, and we'll be back to talk about some more of the vignettes after this short break. We'll see you in just a minute. Iyer's on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. BYURadio.org people, when you go to the BYURadio.org sign, um, click on our show site, yeah, BYURadio.org site, click on our show, and there will be a click there that will take you to the introduction for this little YouTube channel called YouTube Virus on the Road. Now, let's move from there, Linda, and talk a little about what we, what we got our minds on when we were talking about the video about Santa and Jesus that was done from the zoo because it is a worry that some parents have and I don't want to say anything too direct for fear you were listening to this in the car and there's some kids in there but suffice it to say parents we need to be careful to differentiate in our children's mind the one kind of reality that goes for Santa which we call real imaginary, and the other kind of real, which goes for Jesus, which we and our little granddaughter gave us this thought the other day, real, real. Um, so moving on to Christmas, I mean, there are so many things to talk about, but I did a column in the newspaper this week about simplifying Christmas and really making it more meaningful. I love that column, Linda. Speaking of Jesus, because so often we get caught up in the commercialism of it. And uh, I mentioned a funny story that happened to me many years ago when it was the turning point in my life as far as simplifying Christmas because I, we had four little kids. They all had this long list of stuff that they wanted fulfilled, some from Santa, some from us as their parents and so on. And I was dutifully standing in a long line for the thing that one of our daughters wanted the very most. Our seven-year-old Johnny wanted a baby alive. And, and they still have baby alives, by the way. We looked it up. I think it, and years. there is a baby alive still. But honestly, they were the funniest dolls because, you know, you stick a few batteries in and this doll actually eats food. You get food in the kit with the doll. And you can actually feed it in a little mouth, moves and little mouth you know, sucks. sucks. Sucks the, the food out of the this food little in, bottle. And it goes right through into a diaper. 
And there didn't seem to be anything more exciting on the face of the earth to Shawnee than having a actual baby doll that she could feed and change her diapers. Oh, especially the changing her diaper part. That was the most important. Of course she was so excited. I mean, she could she could sort of imagine and pretend to be feeding the doll, but changing the diaper with real <laughs> stuff, in it. stuff in it, that was just more than she could almost understand. Oh, she was so excited. So I called every store in town. I looked through every catalog. It was the day before online days before online or Amazon or anything like that and I could not find that doll anywhere but I found one store in Salt Lake City that still said they had some maybe it was clear over on the other side of the valley so I I was and I I drove for a long time I got this long walk with mothers who were fidgeting and all the beautiful Christmas decorations around but everybody had the same thought we have to have a baby alive for our daughters they'd been doing some big time advertising on that doll they had And so, anyway, I got up to the first of the line, and the mother in front of me, they announced loudly as they handed her the doll that she got the last doll. Was she actually right? The one in front of you, you missed by one? In front of me. I'll bet you almost died. I mean, I did, and the people behind me were, the mothers were weeping and wailing, and like, what are we going to do? And I was so upset, and not just because of that. But also because of all the things that were so whirling around me, I had offered to do that volunteer, do the the class party at school. Um, I'm in charge of the family extended parties every year because our parents were getting older or moved away, and they were far away. And so, the, and there were just so many things. I mean, I had these three other little kids to fill their lists, and I just was near tears. That was almost just, that baby alive thing was almost just the last straw, the straw that broke the camel's back. You were getting so, you were getting so upset. Christmas was the opposite of fun for you. Oh my gosh. I just, I went home thinking, how am I going to tell Shawnee that baby alive is dead? (laughs) I could not imagine telling her that. Well, I just decided, okay, this is too much. I'm going to write down some things to simplify our Christmas and really make it more meaningful. And so you're make saying it all that. about dolls and toys. And so that experience finally pushed you over the edge, and you decided, I'm not going to take it anymore. I did. Yeah. Exactly. I am not doing this anymore. So, you know what? You can decide for yourself what you're going to do. The problem is tradition. You know, you have these traditions where it's you have to have these big turkey dinners, and you're in charge, and you have to have, make cookies and candy. And cookies, that's the worst thing of all. Cookies, oh my gosh. cookies, cookies. Well, you don't like cookies, and we love cookies, so it was really hard I like oatmeal raisin cookies, and you never make those. You I make know. those chocolate chips. Raisin absolutely ruined the cookies. No, no, Anyway, so, um, but I did start writing down a list, and I just thought, you know what? On Christmas Eve, it's going to be all about Jesus. And we decided instead of a big turkey dinner, we were going to have a Mediterranean dinner that was similar to what Mary and Joseph would have enjoyed with their family before Mary got all stocky and they took off. Now, wait, let me just interject one thing here, Linda, to be sort of theoretical and sort of conceptual and then go on with this wonderful story. I mean, I think this is actually a related question to the one we alluded to earlier i.e., how do you separate in your child's mind a belief in Santa from a belief in Jesus? And a, rela- a very closely related question is, how do you separate 
the two basic parts of Christmas in your children's mind. And what I mean by that is the getting part, the getting part, my list, being good so Santa will come, getting things on Christmas morning, all the things I want, all the things my friends are getting, all, you know, my list and everything. How do you separate that from the other part of Christmas, which we all long for more of, which is the joy of giving? And how do you get a child to get as much joy out of the little gift that he chooses and gives to someone else as he does out of the things he gets? I mean, for many parents, getting a child to think for one second about giving something to anyone is like an impossibility because they're all about my list and what I'm going to get. And so I just wanted to throw that in that what Linda's going to tell you now is actually the best idea we've ever found for making that separation. And it was the answer you were like, you, you, it's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Linda, but you weren't saying, I'm done with Christmas. I don't want anything to have. I don't want Santa. I don't want anything to happen. I just, I'm going to throw Christmas out. What you were saying is, how do I not have that be the only thing we do on Christmas? Right, and how do I simplify it? I can still make it happen the way it should happen uh, without being overly, um, uh, what what would you call it? Commercial. Um, Commercial and, you know, trying to figure out how to make things more and more exciting for our kids and spending more money and all that. So I just went home and decided this is the deal. I'm going to, next year, it was too late that year, but the next year I'm going to start early. I'm going to ask, tell the kids we're going to slash the number of things that you can ask for. You can ask for, I can't remember what it was, two things maybe from Santa and two things from us or one and one. I can't remember what it was, but it, it was a whole lot simpler. And, um, you know, there are these lists 10 and 20 long of things kids want. And our children have now taken this up, but we have a darling family in Boston that just says you can have one thing from Santa, and then you can ask for a couple of things from us, and that's all. And they are perfectly happy with it. And I think sometimes we're the ones that get dig this hole for ourselves and get ourselves into this commercialism of Christmas. Well, so number one, you decided to limit the things they could ask for. But that was still the giving part. Now, you had started right. to say how you separated that from the giving part. Right, and we decided that Christmas Eve was going to be totally the giving part and the Jesus part. So we had this, what we call every year Jerusalem Supper, and um, we ha- even brought plates home from Jerusalem when our kids studied abroad there. And we have a dinner that's similar to what Mary and Joseph would have had. We go a little further than you may want to. We dress up in clothes, with towels, with, um, you know, headdresses. And we added to it as the years went by. And we sat around the table and pretended that we were the family of Mary and Joseph. And then somebody got to be Mary and Joseph. Well, specifically, we were Mary's family. We were Mary's parents, right. you and I, and right. each of the kids picked their own name. They were a shepherd or they were some guy that helped in the carpentry shop or whatever. But Joseph was invited to the dinner, and the whole sort of spontaneous dinnertime conversation was about the journey they're embarking on tomorrow. We even did some research, and the kids did some research. Mary, do you know that it's 100 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem? I mean, how... How do we know this donkey can make it? How do we know you can sit on a donkey nine months pregnant? It's going to be pregnant? so uncomfortable. What are you going to so do? Sorry. 
but you've got to go and, you know, all these things that don't occur to you until you really put yourself in that and, and keep in mind, we're sitting around a table with only candlelight. All the lights are turned off and we're eating figs and dates and fish and things that they really could have eaten. And Grapes and uh, pita bread. And kids really got into it. We they, found that they, they, they were pretty well, great at getting I, I did have to say, there were their moments. I mean, they could pick their own name and their own name, whatever they wanted to be. I mean, most of them picked Bible names, but Noah, one of our money stealers, maybe because he named Noah, chose Larf for his name, Larf. My name is Larf, and and I'm just a friend of Joseph from, you know, down on the other side of the tracks or something. Every time we say Larf, everybody would kind of... Uh, tee and giggle and so on. But really, they did get into it. They get, gave some thought to what really happened. Then we moved right into the nativity. Um, often we had a new baby and among the group, and he could actually be the baby Jesus in the manger, and then everybody was assigned to be wise men and shepherds, and we had so much fun. Um, well, and then the important thing is that after the nativity and the Jerusalem Supper, we actually had a separate Christmas tree. This probably wouldn't be necessary, but we really wanted to separate the getting and the giving so much we had a separate tree, and under it was only the presents from the kids to each other and to us, and all the focus and the emphasis was on the giver. So, okay, Noah, it's your turn now, and Noah would hand out his little gifts, and, you know, Noah's, let's say Noah's seven or eight, and so... They were things he'd bought at the dollar store, things he'd made. Oh, one year we just had them make their own stuff. They made the most gorgeous cardboard cars, I mean, that you, you could actually sit in. And it was actually but very all, but all the emphasis on the giving. So, Noah, how did you know this is exactly what I want? Noah, you are the best giver. Wow. And all the kids got into it, and they're hugging each other and thanking each other. And i got to tell you right now, so much better. The giving part is so much better than the getting part. Well, for us, as the parents, I think they like the getting part, too, the next morning. And we just let it all hang out the next morning. That's the great thing about it. Once you've had the Jesus stuff and the giving stuff, then you feel like you've done your thing and you can just kind of say, okay, now just let it all fly, Santa Claus. Santa's coming, and we're going to have so much fun, and Santa's going to bring you your one gift. (laughs) You're going to be so excited, except that one year, oh my gosh. Well, we'll tell you about that next week. We'll tell you next week, because next week on Ours on the Road, we're going to continue on with a discussion of how to make Christmas more meaningful. So, we hope to hear, I talk to you then. Uh, have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.